We are back and uh, happy Stanley Cup playoffs, everybody. And we're also looking forward to the World Hockey Championships. And that is a big focus of this week's episode on In Goal Radio, the podcast. Darren Millard with the co-founders of In Goal Magazine, David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley. I want to tell everybody that uh, what you don't see as we record this is uh, our signals to each other when we want to talk. I wasn't through saying In Goal Radio, the podcast, and Kevin Woodley had his hand up that he wanted to chime in. What could be so, so urgent that you would want to talk before I even introduce the podcast? Welcome to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Aren't the rest of you waiting with bated breath for four more games of Vancouver Calgary like I am because I got to cover it for my day job? Like this is a weird year. You open the door. Do you write your game recap the same for these games that will be happening during the Stanley Cup playoffs or parallel to the Stanley Cup playoffs? Do you write that in the same fashion or is it totally like lick the stamp and put it in the mailbox? Like the players, I'm going to throw out every cliche about 110% and these (laughs) games mattering and professionalism and representing the franchise. So I am going to give no less effort covering these games, put a little asterisk beside that unless otherwise instructed by my bosses to keep these stories shorter and more to the point. I actually haven't received instruction on how we cover them. My assumption would be we, we cover them like we do anything else. I just think it might be a little harder to find the write up at the end of the day on the site. I had this conversation with somebody this week that there's still regular season games. Like there's no difference between these games uh, if they were played two weeks ago to these games being played now. Statistically, influence on the record. The when you look back in three years, the the wins and losses. Like they're still uh, as as valuable as as the two points and and the game result uh, as as ever. Yet we are just pushing it to the side like it doesn't have any influence. Well, except for me, of course. But um, I'm not pushing it to any side because they still pay me to cover the games. Um, Draft position, like Calgary, Vancouver. Like Vancouver, Vancouver loses out. They'll have the fourth best draft position if in 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 terms of lottery odds. They'll be the fourth worst team in the NHL. If they win like three or four, they could jump to like 21st in the NHL and have like the, you know, 10th best odds. Like it's, there's, and, and, Elias Pettersson just got shut down. Like we just found out that he's not going to play the rest of these games, but there was a point where it looked like he was trying to come back. And if he had played three of them, Darren and gotten a couple of points, there was a chance he could have hit another couple of bonuses. And this is a team that's in LTIR. So those bonuses would have carried over next year and negatively affected their cap situation. Like all those things count. All those things matter. And yet it's going to be so weird to cover regular season games after the NHL playoffs start. And, you know, the, the other sort of part of that is it is having a very real effect on the North Division teams that made the playoffs. Because as we saw, the other three divisions do not have any back-to-back games in their playoff schedule. North Division teams are going to have back-to-back games because they're going to wait until these regular season ones are done before they start. And let's be honest, that could have a very real impact on goaltending rotations, who starts, and whether wear and tear becomes an issue for their goaltenders 
earlier in the playoffs. I think, actually, I haven't looked at their schedule. I know Toronto-Montreal has back-to-back. I'm assuming Edmonton does, too. You got a 39-year-old starter in Mike Smith and the potential of a more condensed schedule because you had to wait for these games. So I know there were a lot of teams not happy with what happened here in Vancouver, uh, not happy that their schedules were negatively affected when the Canucks asked for it to be pushed back even further. And I can't imagine they're any happier today knowing it's actually potentially negatively affecting their chances in the playoffs. I'll be watching and I will be reading NHL.com, Kevin Woodley's uh, game recaps, just to make sure that he is maintaining the same standard as he did for the first uh, 50 games of this National Hockey League uh, truncated season. Uh, not uh, not only uh, an extended season over at uh, at Rogers uh, uh, arena, but uh, is Rogers Arena or Rogers Place? I, like I've been gone for a couple of years now. I can't remember which one's so which. Rogers Arena here in Vancouver. Rogers Place is the new one in Edmonton. Okay. And by the way, the, the Wi Fi right. definitely doesn't work at, at Rogers Arena, despite the name <laughs> Rogers. Extended season at uh, at Rogers Arena and uh, and just getting uh, going and just hopped up uh, over at uh, Source for Sports, uh, the hockey shop, uh, Source for Sports, sorry, the hockey shop.com. Uh, things are happening uh, around there with Cam and company. Well, last week we showed you that they have their uh, True by Lefebvre 12.2 pads in, so you can go in there, touch them, feel them, see how they fit on your leg. Uh, this week we're going to introduce the Optic X2 to you in our gear segment, and next week a whole bunch of new stuff coming in. Bowers line launches officially. We talked to you about the Hyperlite. Um, they're going to have in store all the lower price point models, including a review we'll do of the 3X line that is just like, like mind-blowingly good second price point product. Um, true, true has an out on the rack retail. Don't need to be customized skate coming out, um, where it's not like a fully customized, get your foot fitted. It's just buy it off the rack and heat mold it. And there's some heat molding properties to their skates that they think will separate them. There's, there's just a ton of new stuff coming in this spring. And after a year for some people not being able to play, uh, so many exciting options and where's the best place to find out about the options to try them on to make sure they're right for your game it's definitely the hockey shop source for sports in surrey uh, outskirts of vancouver or at thehockeyshop.com. it's where we go it's where you should go talk to cam uh, talk to all the people that work down with him in the goalie department they know the position because they play the position they live and breathe the position like the three of us and they'll get you the right answers in terms of what what element what brand what line in this new gear is right for you uh, as you get back on the ice into next season our gear segment this week is the brian's optic x2 uh, we are going to chat with aiden hill in our uh, feature interview brought to you by sensorina vr aiden hill has had a very eventful season and uh, a season that uh, despite playing for the arizona coyotes when i say that uh, because their season's done his campaign is going to continue uh, with Hockey Canada and the World Championships in Latvia. So that's uh, coming up in just a little bit. Uh, also want to thank uh, everybody. I, I got my Sensorina VR kit this week, and it is so cool. And just, I'm going to, I've never done anything like this. Just setting the darn thing up was a trip and and so much fun. And uh, it, it's cool. It's really neat. And when you say cheat code, Hutch, you are absolutely right. Yeah? Have you have you been on the ice since you've tried it? I'm going on the ice tonight, in fact. You are. So a little bit of a Sensorino warm-up for you before you go on the ice tonight, before you, before you hop in the car. Or if you like Woody, Woody probably pulls it out at the rink outside the dressing room. He's probably on the foam roller 
with the Sensorina yeah. on. I wonder if Sensorina could include a foam rolling simulation for Woody or Ooh, something. But would that yeah. work? But seriously, yeah, in, in cheat code for goaltending. Uh, you you have to try it tonight, Darren, before you head out to the rink, and and curious to see what you think about it. But uh, our experience has been it's an incredible tool. First thing I did was turn it up to its highest setting. That that wasn't of course that, that, that wasn't good, but it was fun. I had to do it. I had I had to do it. What I wasn't very effective, but uh, it it's just it's so real, man. It's just so Wouldn't it real. Be, one of the things I suggested they do is could you could you get some of the NHL guys doing some of those drills so you could say I want to face yeah. Shea Weber slap shots. Yeah. I want to face OV one timers. I mean, obviously that's a that's a complicated thing for them to pull off. But if you could simulate some of that or you could dial up the velocity of the shots, maybe even overclock it a little bit, a uh, whole lot of fun. Oh, the OV one-timers would be good because, like, we've talked about this before, right? Like, I did a story, like, I think when he was approaching 500 where I talked to the goalies that had faced it around the league over the years. And I didn't realize it at the time, but it curves. Yes. Like, Ovi's one timers got a curve to it. So if you're if he's in his house, his wheelhouse, his office, and you're pushing to your blocker side for those of us who catch with the left hand, it either goes sort of like a down and away slider low blocker, or can actually curve around you high on the glove side as you're moving to your right. And Braden Holtby told me stories about this. Like it, I guess it's that toe hook, and it all depends where he catches it. But that thing, it's actually like a major league curveball. It actually moves and and can sort of. It's like a bender. So imagine if you could simulate that on the. Oh man, that would be fun. It's funny you say that because we've actually been testing another app on the headset for baseball and discovered it uh, through an article on nature.com. I mean, it's a, a huge scientific publication. And there's a college team in the States that is actually using this to, sim- well, not just to simulate, they're actually get- able to get their players to face some of the pitches from some of the pitchers that they're going to be seeing in an upcoming series. And although there's a hitting component to this software, it, it is, much like Eric Comrie told us, uh, strictly there for pitch identification. So you can step in the batter's box and you can say, I want to see this particular pitcher. I want to see these particular pitches. I want to see it to this particular location. And it's all about training your eyes to be able to pick up those pitches. And they actually um, cut it off at different distances from the pitcher before you have to identify them. So you, you know you might get 30 feet to identify the pitch. And then if you're doing well, they might change that to 20 feet. So as an I wouldn't even call it a pre-scout thing. It's like a a, a pre-play training component. That's a pre-scout. The, 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 yeah, I guess. I but but a much more active one, right? Yeah. Because you're not just saying this is what he can do. You're actually getting in there and facing it. So I think the possibilities uh, for goaltenders and where this incredible tool could be going in the future is uh, it's just remarkable. The thing about that OV uh, shot curving that I've never really been able to get my head around because I've I've heard the same thing, Woody is. It's not like he's uh, 300 feet away from the, the net. Uh, how, is, how does it curve that much in such a short distance? I mean, it's, I mean, Hutch is probably better to answer this than me because he's actually smart. Um, but I mean, it's got to be I mean, the nature of the puck, right? Like, like it's like, you know, making a curve, you, you're able to make a baseball curve in part because of the seams. And, and I would imagine a puck just being not perfectly round obviously there's probably a little bit of wobble and spin that's involved there but you're right like at the end of the day how it happens i I was just blow i had no idea that it did happen i stumbled upon it when i was asked to write this story and all of a sudden some of the goalie coaches that had worked in washington were telling me about this and i was just like come on really 
And then I started talking to Holtz and Ryan Miller and they're like, oh yeah, like yeah, it's a breaking ball. So it's just, I mean, it's incredible to me. There and, was, and the heat that he's throwing on it too is just... When the curb stick was introduced, it was a big part uh, and a big challenge for the goalies on, on longer shots was that they would curve dramatically uh, from distance. Uh, but the idea that, uh, that it would curve from the, the face-off dot or the top of the circle and it would curve was... I, just, I can't believe there's enough time for it to happen. The, between the velocity and the distance, it, you wouldn't think that it would, uh, would have that much of an impact. So uh, that's that. We, we, how often do we get off topic here? Is it <laughs> just a good the standard? One, well, to, to, Woody kind of set the, uh, the tone for, My fault. for, for today. Uh, just a shout out to uh, a young man named Brandon Partrick. Uh, lives in Ottawa. Uh, has done some work with Lyle Mast in the past and also listens to this podcast very regularly. Got a note from uh, Brandon's mom the other day, uh, Teresa Partrick. Uh, I went to high school with Teresa and I know uh, Brandon's dad was a high-level uh, figure skater uh, in, the, in the national ranks, uh, Jeff. And uh, they, they listened very regularly and just wanted to mention that, uh, that Brandon, we appreciate uh, you uh, taking part and, and all the time. He never misses an episode. So uh, lives in the Ottawa area. Uh, thanks for, uh, for hanging out. And Brandon, uh, Brandon's mom and dad grew up in Brandon. I don't know if that has an effect on his name, but I think it's cool. I mean, it does for you. Yeah. Yeah. Brandon's a shortcut to Darren's heart. Yes. We all know that. Straight yeah. uh, straight to the middle. Uh, we so have... anybody else wants to join Darren's weekly uh, In Goal Radio shout-outs, just uh, fire us a note, podcast at ingoalmag.com, <laughs> and we'll make sure Darren's ready to shout you out. It's awesome to hear from listeners. I got another one coming up next week from Yellowknife. Okay? Yeah, right on. A little military angle for you. Uh, world Championship rosters uh, being put together. The playoffs uh, are here. Uh, any particular goaltending? I know we talked about uh, different questions and different uh, decisions that have to be made, but uh, uh, do you think there's a goaltender or goaltenders on the hot seat any more than other years? Or is this one of those just let's let's go because it's 56 games and everybody sort of starts fresh? I think you could craft it. I think you could craft different storylines depending on you know, how you want to go at them because we've got some really interesting matchups where we're not even sure who's necessarily going to run with uh, run with the ball once things get going. You've got the back-to-back games as Woody's brought up, so that's going to influence some of those decisions. Um, but then you've also got some places like uh, Mike Smith in Edmonton, perhaps, where a team that's felt that maybe goaltending has held them back and defensive plays held them back over the years, and he's had such a good season. How's that going to help them out? Uh, Connor Hellebuck in that same matchup has maybe not finished the season as well as he'd hoped. And is he going to be able to carry them past the high flying Oilers? There's so many different storylines, guys. I think it's going to be one of the most fascinating ones, not just individual goaltenders, but, but team play and how they, they choose to deploy their goaltenders. There's going to be no shortage of stories. Well, I don't want to put Darren on the spot because I'm curious to see what decision they make there. In well, Vegas. that's Obviously, one of them, isn't it? Yeah, they've you... been going back and forth and back and forth like like clockwork. And wow, like has that worked, right? Like what? A, it's been a great rotation. The two names that I look at outside of that as a whole situation, um, and I don't know if hot seats, have, it's a term we throw around. I don't know if it's fair, but um, there's going to be a, you know, can Philip Grubauer without much of a safety net because it hasn't gone well for Doobie. Uh, since going to Colorado and 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 uh, Johansson's the other guy there, can Philip Grubauer get through a playoffs? 
Um, you know, health has been an issue at this time of year for him in the past. Uh, the year where he started the playoffs in Washington, they won the cup. He made it through two games before Holtby took over. Like as good as his season has been, and whether they're fair or not, I think those questions linger. Um, the other one to me is the other sort of hot seat decision making one is Florida, where I think everybody expects the ten million dollar Sergey Bobrovsky to start. And you know, I have, like I said, access to the analytics, like. Florida's a good defensive team, not a great defensive team. When I look at the numbers um, that sort of matter the most uh, in terms of uh, playoff success, and there's there's a metric that ClearSight Analytics tracks, and it's a it's a defensive high danger metric. For the past two seasons, the better team in this metric has won all but two playoff series. And you think about that, like we're talking over 30 playoff series over two years, all but two. And in both cases, the team that was better in the metric that lost just got totally undermined by goaltending that the bottom fell out of. Um, so Florida's actually middle of the pack, high middle of the pack in this department. So it's not like they're a great defensive team. Like some of these teams are built to win without goaltending. Not without, but they don't need elite goaltending to win. Florida's on the edge of that. And yet the difference between Dreger's numbers adjusted even and bobs like dreger's above water bob's slightly underwater like in a series that's going to be tight and that i would actually favor based on these metrics the florida panthers could that decision be the difference maker i'm fascinated to see how that one plays out because i'm telling you right now outside of that i would be picking the florida panthers to beat the tampa bay lightning two years ago when the tampa bay lightning were eliminated in the first round in this metric they were 21st in the league Last year, they were second in the league. They won the Stanley Cup. This year, they're back down to 22nd. Like, I think Florida should win that series. Could they be undermined by the goaltending decision? Also getting Kucherov and Stamkos back. Yeah, <laughs> massive. Yeah, that certainly helps your offense. But again, guys, like, um, this thing has been, it's not ironclad, but, mm -hmm. I mean, it's how you defend. And, you know, it's funny because this plays into the Vesna conversation. I, I was pretty adamant last year um, that Andre Vasilevsky was still the best goalie in the world, but he didn't have the best season and probably shouldn't have been a finalist. And again, defensively, he had a lot more support. They didn't lean on him. And that was part of his adjustment, and he deserves massive credit for making it. He wasn't as busy. We've talked many times about how tough that is for goaltenders. When you're not busy, you have to find a way to stay sharp and mentally engaged. And halfway through the season, he, took, he went to great lengths to sort of figure that out and became a better goaltender for it, the best goalie in the second half by far. But the team won the cup playing that well defensively. The team right now that I see in front of me, and I don't know that Kucherov and Stamkos changed this in their own end, is nowhere near that team defensively. And Andre Vasilevsky is full value for being a Vesna finalist this year because he's had to be that guy again, like he was two years ago, um, that they really lean on heavily because defensively they give up way more. We'll get to uh, Cam over at the Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com, uh, is with Source for Sports Surrey in just a second. Uh, one more playoff note for you, and I want your best guess for this. And there's no, uh, there's no right or wrong answer because it, it's purely a guess. Uh, I'm, I'm in the backyard, and I don't, have an indication of what they will do but guess and what you would do with the goalies with the vegas golden knights rotate or not uh, what would you do and what do you think they will do do you want me to go first because yes okay you're, uh, the, you're the insider i would 
I think I'll just do whatever you say. I would rotate, uh, and I'm not a rotate guy. I, I I've never been, and th- but this if you're if you're ever going to do it, this is the time to do it. Uh, because you have uh, Mark Andre's won nine straight games, and and Robin Leonard's fresh, and they just won the Jennings Trophy by way of of rotating. Like it has worked. Uh, I will I will give in to the rotation philosophy and the theory for the first round, and then lock in my guy. Uh, and that's what I think they'll do, and that's what I would do. But I'm open to. Uh, opinions the uh going the other way uh hutch you want to go next i think i would go with the rotation i agree what got you there i think you should keep going with um if it ain't broke don't fix it the only change i might say to what you suggested darren is i'm not sure i would lock in that to one guy after the first round i think it would depend on what you see in that first round if it goes really well from a team perspective uh again why change it uh, although I think there's probably more of a chance that you end up with winning you're in after the first round or maybe even late into the first round because that's a temptation for any coach, of course. I hate winning you're in. I uh, so do it. I. I'm just saying I think it might go that way, Woody. It just might go that way. It, it's the same philosophy in many ways, isn't it? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, that's what we would go into the season with. But then a coach looks at, well, we won the last game and the goalie had a great great game so i'm not gonna mess with what's working so i think that's what it might end up devolving into darren but i agree with you let's start it out with a rotation if we can see you know i don't have time on the fly to dig into these numbers because it would actually require a little manual sort of tracking um but my question you're gonna have to use your gut like woody's gonna have no no like listen come on who has been cheerleading for a rotation like for one of these teams to finally you know we saw it came so close you know um barry trotz yeah. was thinking about it with the Islanders when Grice and Laner were going so good. Um, you know, talked to him about it over the years. And what did he in do? San Jose with Ron Wilson. I think in both cases, injuries ultimately led to, like it was Laner for for Barry. It yeah. ended up being Laner, and deservedly so. He's a Vezin Trophy finalist. What I'd want to see, though, so I'm I'm full team rotation. Like everyone's like, it's never happened before, or and I always counter by saying, yes, 1996 in the American Hockey League, Corey Schwab, and I'm trying to think, it was Mike Dunham back and forth every game to a Calder Cup championship? Remember, it was like 25 years ago in the AHL. Come on, dude. I'm like, has anybody tried it since? So I'm team rotation, absolutely. But what I would want to dig into if I was the Vegas Golden Knights are the splits um, and Minnesota in particular. Are there elements of what the Minnesota Wild do offensively that suits the strength? Because these are two very different goaltenders stylistically and strength-wise. Are there elements and and does it show up in our head-to-head record? Because I know the head-to-head isn't great between these two teams in in terms of Vegas's favor. I would want to dig a little deeper into that before I just say, hey, it's worked so far, let's go. Like to me, if you have the information, Use the information. Is there a guy that plays better against Minnesota? Is there a guy whose strengths fit the way the Wild attack better than the other one? I got to say, that hurt last night to me, Darren, because you know that metric that I just talked about, yep. the defensive metric? The, the, there are four teams in the NHL that are in the playoffs that lean more heavily than any of the other ones on goaltending. Like A lot of the teams in the postseason are, are because... They insulate. They're they're very good defensively, and the goaltenders are also good on top of that. Tampa Bay, we talked about. Winnipeg, well-documented. Vegas, and then at the bottom of the list, and again, when they won the cup, 
they were at the top of the list. And then when they got knocked out in the first round last year, they had fallen significantly is the St. Louis Blues. So a Vegas-St. Louis matchup by this metric that has been very definitive for two years would have favored Vegas. It was the only team in that division that would have actually come in lower ranked on this scale. Minnesota does not on this metric. So this decision might matter significantly because you're going to need to out-goaltend the Minnesota Wild because defensively, they're the better team. Yeah, that's saying something uh, with the the blue line that the Golden Knights have and uh, you're going against a Jennings Trophy team. So that's they're, the, and again, like some teams do it with team play. Yeah. Vegas does it with goaltending. And it's not just like Flurry. Again, well, we can have this argument next week, but like he's my Vesna guy ahead of, he right. ended up at 30 goals saved. Nobody was at 30. He ended up a, oh, just slightly over 30, like seven more goals than Vasilevsky in less work. Flurry's my Vesna guy, but Laner isn't that, like Laner's played well too. So no, like there are very few teams, like I said, in the playoffs that lean as heavily on goaltending as those four. Um, and it might surprise people to hear that about Vegas, to be honest. We will have an early indication by this time next week when we record the podcast. Uh, some great guests coming up. We'll run through uh, that list in just a little bit. But let's go over to our gear segment presented by the Hockey Shop, Source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. Here's Woody with Cam uh, talking about the Brian's Optic 2. Uh, with the Brian's Optic X2 line. That's what it is. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports, or as we like to call it here at Ingle Magazine, Goalie Utopia. And as usual, in the springtime, things get a little brighter. New gear arrive, ready for, the, ready for all the eager young goalies to come in and try it on, check it out, take it home with them. Today, we're focusing on one of the second price points. I think one of, one of the things we've done over the years at Ingle is talk a lot about pro level gear, the highest end stuff. But the reality is for a lot of goalies, whether it's beer league or minor hockey coming up, it's that next price point down, especially for a young goaltender that's growing. And our friends at Brian's have a new product coming out this year, Optic X2. Cam, you've had this on the ice. Yes. So that's one of the beauties of coming to the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com, talking to people like Cam. They don't just read you a spec sheet out of a catalog. He's had it on the ice. He's tried it. First impressions, walk us through what this line is supposed to be, walk us through how it's felt, walk us through some of the features that uh, make it unique. So we're gonna switch it up a little bit and start with gloves first. Gloves first, excellent. why not? So starting with the blocker, because this one's gonna be one of the easier ones. If you're already familiar with the Optic 9.0, and even for that matter, the Pro Optic, uh, not too far off. Uh, Great balance feel, nice flat blocker board, very, very easy to present face forward to the shooter. Um, again, I don't want to use the term because I hate it, blocker's a blocker, but this blocker is in fact a blocker. Come talk to me, I'm an expert. <laughs> okay, glove, 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 <laughs> moving forward here. <laughs> This is probably one of the things that I've seen the most improvement between, say, their 9.0, which was last year, um, and this Optic X2 stuff. Uh, this glove initially out of the box is a great closure. Um, this nice wide presentation, very, very easy to catch with. 
very, very easy to get fingers forward, cover a lot of surface area with it. And like I said, nice, easy, consistent closure out of the box. Um, I really like the feel of this for especially uh, something coming into that mid-range price point. Um, great execution by Brian's and definitely a great option for you to check out if that's the price point you're shopping at. All right, next. Pats. So, what's different? Why is this important and why you should check it out? Uh, what's different? Let's start with strapping first. So Brian's has brought over that similar Optic 2 strapping down to the Optic X2, so that mid-range level. Uh, their Genetic X, which is still remains current, and is also their other line designed to be the more flexible pad, also features a similar strapping system. This does have a softer boot. It does have a bit of flex to it, so don't get too, too caught up with it, but clean, flat face to the design. Still a stiffer pad overall in comparison to the genetic line. That's correct, okay. yes, yes. So great seal to the pad, a little bit more of that straighter curve, so more flexible goalies are gonna have, find that this is a little bit easier for you to kick out and get that nice uh, overall coverage down to your butterfly. Brian's Primo material. I was gonna say, like for a lower price point pad, their, their, their top end sliding material is on this. Correct, correct. And you can really notice it, and again, it makes that sound as, you, as you're sliding around. It does, it does, but it also makes it a lot easier to slide around. So I was, I was impressed correct. to see this. Is this new in terms of being on the lower price point pad for them? So Genetic X was the first one. Now they brought it over to that Optic line. It wasn't featured on the 9.0, but is now featured on the uh, Optic X2. Again, great upgrade, does make a difference for your slide, you know, worth considering for sure. Um, and it comes down to, you know, splitting hairs between the two pads. Um, and also what else is out on the wall. I noticed it, felt it, makes that, again, that very satisfying sound. Check it out. <laughs> what, uh, what are, like, like, so what are some of the differences you've talked a little bit about the improvements on this from 9.0? What are some of the differences? Cause you, you know, at the end of the day, you're not quite always going to get, there's a reason Pro is more expensive than the next level down. Correct. What are some of the drop-offs that you're accepting by going to this in terms of materials? Um, is there a difference in the knee stack? Things like that from this compared to the next lineup. Similar design, slightly different stack setup itself. Um, Core is again one of the bigger ones that changes. They don't, aren't using their like their high grade e-foams and whatnot inside the core of the pad. That will make a difference for the pad over an extended period of time, especially with heavy use. However, um, they're still using really top quality stuff. This stuff's assembled in the Philippines. Uh, it's not assembled in China. Why that makes a difference? Those guys in that Philippine factory, there's a little bit more care involved. They're used to sewing through thick pieces of leather. I believe they make baseball gloves there as well. So. Yeah, I will say the one thing I say, like, and this is probably why you're seeing the closure on that glove, um, you know, for an offshore product is so nice. Uh, the factory that uh, Brian's associated itself with the, in the Philippines, uh, the backstory is that they used to make Rawlings baseball gloves there. So I'm not surprised that that's one that requires a little bit more craftsmanship. And so I'm not surprised that you're seeing that feel and that closure in that glove with the, you know, the, the, the way they've affiliated themselves with, uh, with that factory. Um, the other thing too is we weighed it 5.1 pounds. So quite often when you see the materials downgraded slightly to justify the lower price point, things get heavier. In this case, yeah, heavier, but like not excessively. This is still a really light pad for a second price point. Correct. Yeah, it's it's right up there with a lot of the other offerings that are out there currently on the market. So um, definitely is something worth checking out if you're in the market for a new set of pads.
Brian's Optic X2. It's in store now at thehockeyshop.com. It'll be available online by the time you watch this at, at uh, thehockeyshop.com or in person at the Hockey Shop Source for Sports here in Vancouver, out in the outskirts, Surrey, suburbs. Cam, if they've got questions about this line, where can they get a hold of you? They give me a call at 604-589-8299 or 1-800-567-7790. I'm impressed that you've got that dialed down after, you know, like we're only two years into this. It's pretty impressive, but I kind of miss having Siri come on the show and lecture you for not knowing it. So I guess we're going to have to find something else for her to come and lecture. Anyways, if you've got questions, the new Brian's line is here. Um, great second price point option for you. Uh, again, whether you're a young goaltender coming up or it, these are, this is a good enough pad for beer leaguers, absolutely. Uh, make sure you check, give Cam a call, check it out at thehockeyshop.com uh, and check back next week when we've got more new gear ready for you at all price points. The Brian's Optic X2 line, and uh, the the glove sounds great. The pads, I love listening to Cam and just uh, pound away at the uh, the pillows there. And uh, there's something excited. And uh, I actually did appreciate that uh, that you guys switched it up, going with the gloves first instead of the pads and giving some giving the gloves uh some love uh there in the lower mainland with uh mikey di pietro who uh who we're going to catch up with in a little bit and uh good connection with brian's yeah no i mean uh we we caught up with mikey uh got him in the can for uh like our next guest aiden hill uh, gonna be at the world championships already got a set of custom gear coming from chris joswiak and brian's canada specific set of custom gear so um just shows to goes to show you how reactive and and fast they are in terms of servicing their pros and so for excited to sort of share that interview next next week with mikey and a good tie-in because we've talked about this a lot recently like as much as at ingle we tend to focus on the high price point the pro level pad we you know we're trying to be more cognizant of the fact that that's not that's not what everybody uses that's uh, whether it's beer league or or minor hockey coming up, like you don't necessarily need to have the most expensive same stuff as the pros at every level. And there are some really good, especially these last couple of years, some really good products coming out at the second price point that can save you money and still perform at a really high level. And I, I was impressed. Uh, Camp took them on the ice and that's the beauty of the hockey shop is it's not just, hey, here's the spec sheet that the company sent us. Um this is what it's supposed to do. It's Cam and some of his, you know, some of the other employees in the goalie department getting on the ice and getting a feel for the gear. And he was really impressed with the pads. Uh, and as you said, the gloves too, especially the way it just snapped close. It's got that, the sort of Scott Darling um, on the outer edge of the glove that I can't remember, like it's his spec. Uh, just a really nice looking glove and without having to set you back pro level money. That uh, Hockey Canada custom setup, that, that's got my mouth watering already. And, and Brian's well, does see, such an amazing job with their with their custom graphics. Well, wait to I think you can actually I think it's actually out on social media. Oh, it is. Okay, so Check I think you can actually see it. I thought I saw a tease leak somewhere of it, but get this: Mikey hadn't seen them in person when we talked to him for next week's feature guest interview because Mikey, and this will be a big one for kids out there, really believes that a part of his pathway to success as a pro has been completely getting rid of his social media. Wow. I might do that too. Good for him. You guys are going to have to call me on my landline to get a hold of me. I'm going to shut it all down. 
as soon as the season's over. Yeah, <laughs> shut it right down. Uh, that's uh, awesome. Looking forward to it. Uh, Mikey DiPietro uh, coming up uh, on In Goal Radio, the podcast. Uh, this week's uh, conversation with a, a new teammate of his in Aiden Hill uh, going to the World Championship. Uh, just a little bit of a setup here before we get to the Sense Arena VR feature interview, Woody. I just uh, appreciate the Arizona Coyotes and Rich Nairn giving us an opportunity uh, to have a chat with Aiden Hill before he you know, gets on a plane. I think the charter actually is this weekend uh, over to Riga, Latvia. I think the charter leaves out in Newark. Um, so, you know, Aiden was prepping and getting ready to, you know, get on a flight and join the rest of his Canadian teammates for a flight out of New York. Um, pretty, pretty big thrill to he didn't get the call from Roberto Luongo to, to be a goaltender picked for a national team that's being chosen by Roberto Luongo. Like there's some tie-ins there to Aiden Hill's fandom growing up that I think people enjoy listening to uh, in this interview. And a guy who, you know, has had, um, had some, you know, early success in the national hockey league, uh, you know, sort of right out of the gate. And a lot of people had him projected it to, to be there sooner, but ended up back in the American league, then back in the NHL. And his game has just steadily grown. He had some really good thoughts on what's changed, what's evolved in his game. We talk a lot about stance, guys, with with different goalies here. He gets into that. Um, just some some really so some really good insights in here that I think all goalies can hear, and including one on his listed height of six foot six. Yes. Um, that that we'll let you listen to. That I actually think has you know like it's got some. I don't say ramifications isn't the right word. Um, but getting mislisted can actually even in the taller direction at that scale could actually these days be perceived as a negative. So um, a really fascinating conversation with Aiden Hill. Uh, if he uh, had enough room, and I've discovered this uh, through my uh, VR headset uh, with Sense Arena, uh, that you, you need a little bit more room um, than, than I was originally thinking. Uh, he could he could put on the headset on the flight on that charter over uh, to Riga Latvia. Hacha. What's going on over at Sense Arena VR? How's the, the challenge going on? Well, I think I need to ask you that question. I hope you get in on it soon. Our friends at Sense Arena sponsor the feature interview every week, and we want to thank them for that. Um, as we talked about a little bit earlier, Darren, it's an incredible tool for getting ready to go on the ice, for building your skills when you're not on the ice. A uh, chance to work on your goaltending every day if you want at home. Uh, you do need a little bit more room than uh, a plane seat on a charter flight to Latvia. Yeah. Uh, not sure you've experienced it, but uh, one of the best and most enjoyable things for a parent to watch their child on Sense Arena is when they don't quite mark the boundary properly and uh, inevitably get excited, take a little bit too much ice and uh, straight into the wall. Um, if, but it is it, and it is that realistic that you can get completely lost in what you're doing. It's, it's absolutely amazing. And right now, uh, Sense Arena is into the second week of a six-week skills competition that they're sponsoring where you get a chance to go head-to-head with every Sense Arena goaltender in the world and, and see where you stack up. And if you're lucky enough to be that person who comes out on top in the end, you'll get $1,000 U.S. towards your training. And uh, if you're one of their finalists, you'll also get $100 bucks, um, to use at Hockey Shot. And you'll also uh, get a T-shirt and obviously uh, bragging rights. And uh, we'll see who gets the bragging rights on this podcast in uh, five or six weeks when uh, Darren and Woody and, uh, and Maddie, because I'm too chicken to do it myself, uh, face off and see who the top... Uh, Goaltender in the in goal clan is. I uh Woody is dying to get in on this. So come uh, well, on, Woody, no, jump in. I, I can't get in on it yet. Um 
little little oopsie from the Edmonton Oilers in terms of delivery to to Woody's address, um, but uh, it will be here uh, this weekend. So then I will join you guys, and we will have uh, a three way competition. If you, if you guys bail, if you guys bail, I will never let you live I think- it down. If you guys, if you guys refuse to participate against an old right, man right, like right. me, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. Just so you have somebody to beat. <laughs> not a problem. <laughs> but do grab Sense Arena, folks, because it's not too late to get involved in the competition. And whether you whether you're a, the competitive type or you just want to focus on your training, uh, what an incredible tool for goaltenders to absolutely changing the game. Aiden Hill is our feature interview presented by Sense Arena VR. Uh, how tall is he, really? And how did he find out that he was on the radar for the World Hockey Championships? He's never played for Team Canada, any type of uh, Team Canada before. So how is he asked? The answer's coming up next on the feature interview on In Goal Radio, the podcast presented by Sensorina VR. Aiden, I want to start with um, the opportunity you've got in front of you. How does it, uh, not the ending you guys wanted in Arizona in terms of the season being over, but what are the emotions when you go from, you know, season ending sooner than you'd like to, you know, a phone call to represent Hockey Canada at the World Championships? And I'm curious, who did you get the call from? Uh, yeah, no, I actually, it wasn't a call at all. I uh, was leaving the rank after our team in Arizona, we were officially eliminated, right? So when we were officially eliminated from playoff contention, uh, Shane Doan stopped me on my way out of the rink and he asked me if I had any interest playing for Team Canada at the Worlds. And, you know, I like I wasn't expecting it. I was kind of shocked and excited at the same time. So right away, my answer to him was, yes, I'm in because I've never had a chance to put on that Canadian sweatshirt before. So I'm excited. What is it like, what do you, like I mean I know it's hard to sort of look ahead and but what does that mean to you um you know a team being put together by you know a, a goaltender who will soon be in the Hall of Fame and Roberto Luongo the general manager of the team a guy with a storied career in the National Hockey League and for Team Canada Olympic gold medal and you know he's the one making these decisions and and he taps you Yeah no it's actually crazy cuz uh I grew up a Vancouver Canucks fan and Luongo was my favorite goalie when he was in Florida before he got traded to Vancouver. Nice. So it's kind of crazy, like that full circle. So he was my favorite goalie when he was in Florida, and I was a Canucks fan. And I was I actually remember I was in Edmonton, and my dad called me. He's like, guess you could just got traded to Canucks. And I was like, no way. And, yeah, fair enough. Like, obviously, Luongo got traded there and had a great career. And he was the goalie I actually looked up to growing up. So for – him to be the GM of the team when I do get, when I actually make the team, it's crazy. That's a, that's a pretty cool story. I mean, that's, I mean, I covered that trade. I covered the team here in Vancouver. That's the sort of day job for me. So that's 2006 off the top of my head, you would have been 10 years old. Um, I was curious because the born in Comox, but obviously I see the minor hockey in Calgary. So I was wondering, you know, where the allegiances were growing up, like, do you automatically have to be an Olaf Kolzig fan if you're born in Comox or were they Vancouver or <laughs> were they Calgary? So it sounds like Luongo was the guy for you. Uh, I was obviously born in Comox, but I grew up mostly in Calgary. I moved to Calgary when I was about three with my mom. Okay. So I grew up playing hockey in Calgary, but I was always a Canucks fan. My uncle brainwashed me by the time I was one, I think. So 
<laughs> my mom's brothers there did a good job brainwashing me so i was a canucks fan diehard the whole way growing up i even went to uh when the canucks played boston in the finals there i forget what year that was but yeah i went to the game two burrows for the ot winner on tim thomas super cool like i got to experience all that but yeah Having Luongo there is unreal. Yeah, that was 2011, and I believe that was the easy save for me game. That, yep. Yeah, that is the year. <laughs> for Roberto after that game. The quote that... Uh, yeah, I was in the stands. We're in the nicest tickets, but I was there, right? Nice, nice. Okay, so let, let, I just wanted to pull on that a little bit, pull on that thread. Like, uh, how'd you get into the position? Who? Where did this passion get ignited? Um, were you a goalie from day one, or did you gravitate to towards it later? Yeah, no, I uh, grew up, I was, when I was first started playing, I switched to goalie when I was about eight years old. So I was playing forward before that. And yeah, I honestly, our team, kind of like every team does around that age of eight years old, seven, eight, where you kind of rotate who the goalie is for each game. Each guy gets to wear the, like, the team's piece of equipment and hop in net. And you know what? I stepped in net and I loved it. I fell in love with the position. And I think my dad thought I had a natural knack for the position. And then, yeah, I turned into a full-time goalie. You bought me pads for Christmas. Then I started training, and, uh, yeah, just one thing led to the next. And and what is it about it that you love the most? I mean, if you were a fan of Luongo back in Florida, those were some sick gear days for him back in, you know, 04 and, and before the lockout in 04, yeah. 05, you know, the coho with all the colors. What, what, uh, what, what kept you? What did you love about it once you got a chance to start playing? I mean, I like, I like the pressure. I like knowing that not every game you're going to be the difference or anything like that, but knowing that you have an effect on every game. If I have an off night, we're losing. It's just as simple as that when you're a goalie. If you are not on, if you're not doing what you need to do, your team is not winning the game. So it's kind of like like in baseball or football, like a quarterback or pitcher. It's just like having that pressure and that responsibility on you, and I, I like feeling like I can dictate the game like that. Now, is that something you've like, has there, there been times along the way where you've had to learn how to manage that pressure differently? I mean, there's probably a lot of young goaltenders listening right that are like, yeah, I like that too. But at different points in their careers there, they might wonder, you know, sometimes it can be a lot, right? Like, how do you manage that? You just have to embrace it. I think it's just having that mindset of, you know what, like responsibilities on me and just taking ownership over it. Like when you do have an off night, you just got to own up to it. Like, Hey, like, whether it's saying your team or just saying yourself even you don't even got to convince your team you just got to tell yourself like you know what I wasn't my best tonight and that's that and that's the reason we lost and you know what I got to be better you got to hold yourself to that higher standard and uh, I feel like as long as you hold yourself accountable and like you're responsible with that then you can have all the success you want you're in Calgary, you're playing minor hockey in Calgary, you start goal at eight, obviously there's a transition there from just being the kid that gets picked in net and and your dad thought you were good in buying pads at Christmas to, you know, Amer- uh, sorry, Alberta Junior Hockey League, Portland Winterhawks, WHL, and then obviously into pro. Was there a point along the way where it clicked that this was something you could do at the highest level? And were there influences along the way that helped you get there? I think if I'm not mistaken, are you work with Justin Cardinal in the off seasons? Is he a guy that was there earlier or were there other influences as well? Yeah, no, there was other goalie coaches for sure on the way. And uh, if I was, my dad was a firm believer in, Hey, train with as many guys as you can and take whatever you can from each guy. So if I was to name goalie coaches, it would go on forever. Okay. 
but I've worked with I've worked with Justin Cardinal since I was about 10, 11 years old. And when I go back to Calgary, I still work with him to this day. He's a great guy and a great coach. And yeah, no, it's just kind of kept working hard at it. And from the second, like when I was young, if you were to interview Justin, he'll tell you right from the start that he saw something special in me. All right. And I just, I felt like I just worked hard and I always had that belief that I was going to be in the NHL and I never gave up on it. Obviously here and there, you don't make the team you want. You like, I went through a lot of that. I didn't get drafted from the BAM draft. So I had a lot of ups and downs, kind of peaks and valleys, but I kept working hard and I always thought I was going to make it. So you don't get drafted in the Bantam draft. And I mean, it's funny because uh, it's been a weird year for a lot of goalies, young goalies. The, the Bantam draft's been pushed back, I think, till December in the Western League this year. And I, you must know what that's like, the stress and the anxiety it can cause uh, as a young kid. Yeah. You know, when you don't, when you don't get picked, Aiden, how, like, how do you manage that? And what advice would you give to other kids who are maybe feeling that pressure a little bit right now? Yeah, no, I was for sure. I was honestly devastated when I didn't get picked because, I mean, there was – there's 12 rounds in the Bantam draft, right? And I think I was, I was told I was going to go maybe third or fourth round. So, and then I didn't go at all. I'd not seen my name called. I was, I was devastated at the time, but I think that kind of fueled the fire where, you know what, you don't pick me. I'm going to prove to you guys wrong. And I'm just kept working and made me just want to get back on the ice, work harder and prove that I belong there. Well, you certainly look like when you belonged when you arrived with the Portland Winterhawks. Four games in 13-14, 9.34 save percentage, and it sort of springboards you into a really nice career there. How did that opportunity present itself And you know, in terms of a function of that work and ultimately getting that shot? Yeah, no, they had uh, Brendan Burke there, who's a great guy, and yeah, he was kind of their starter and brought me in, and I thought uh, when I was in Calgary there that I was having fun playing with uh, the Calgary Canucks and when I got my chance and they asked me hey can you come out to Portland and play a few games for us basically I was excited and nervous at the same time but I felt like when I got there the team was really good that year and I felt like when I stepped in net I just had to take care of my job I didn't have to focus on doing anything more just focus on myself if I do what I can then the results will come. Now you've been in the Arizona Coyotes organization throughout as a pro um, had a few different voices but I, I was interested to hear you say that your dad when you were younger took you to different schools and and you know again try and find as many different voices um, is there a lesson there it's 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 funny it makes me think of Thatcher Demko here in Vancouver and that was something that his dad they'd go travel to you know travel tournaments and at each location they'd sort of look for a new voice somewhat something that maybe there was a different idea they could glom onto as much as you've had steady voices as a pro um, are there lessons from that, that that you think other goalies? Because sometimes we see guys, they get stuck with one guy and they don't want to change anything. They don't want to try new things. Yeah, no, my uh, dad was like, I mean, my dad's my biggest supporter of all. Like anybody who I think makes it to the level that we're at, their dad helps yeah. them along the way. And yeah, no, it was just kind of, hey, whatever this guy has to say, listen, observe, and kind of take what you want from it. So. I felt like my dad did a good job, like exposing me to different coaches, different teams, even like, even in like spring hockey, because obviously like winter hockey are kind of restricted in Calgary to where you can play. Right. But in spring hockey, some years I would play for one of the worst teams in the city. And it was so I would get 50 shots a game. So and my dad purpose. understood that. 
yes, it was, it was on purpose. So it's like, you're going to put in the work now. So then down the road, it's going to pay off. And yeah, my dad did a great job supporting me through all that. That's, that's an interesting lesson. I think sometimes we see kids like sort of, they always want to be on the best team, but sometimes, like you said, the, Especially the shots as a goalie, and the chances. Right? Yeah. Because if you're on the best 50. team as a goalie, I played, I played on a couple teams that were unbelievable, but then yeah. I'm getting eight shots a game. And what's that going to do for your development? Nothing, right? Yeah, I know. That's a great philosophy and one that, uh, you know, I think there's probably some value in a few other parents hearing that on here as well. Like that, you know, playing for the, 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 the wins don't always, you know, aren't always the most important thing at that level. It's the experience, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So we transition to pro, um, you know, obviously I know Schwabi pretty well. I know you had Zach for a while though. He's moved on to Ottawa, you know, being a bigger goaltender, maybe even in Portland too, some of the influences you had there. I, I apologize for not having my timeline straight. I'm not sure if Andy was there at the time or not. Um, but who are some of the influences you've transitioned? And as a goalie who plays at six foot six, what's been some of the biggest, you know, you're speaking to goalies, so they speak the language, RVH and all, you know. Um, what's been the biggest sort of steps in your game that you've added through the pro levels to keep moving up the way you have? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I, I don't know where that measurement came in. I'm not 6'6". Six, six. Okay, well, we, we're going we're gonna to have <laughs> I, to I send a note. I don't know when I don't know when or where that happened, but, yeah, there's, like, I always get, like, oh, yeah, you're 6'6", six, six, but I, I'm not. I'm, like, I'm about 6'4 and a half. So I'm right. still big, but I'm I'm not I'm not that big. But uh, yeah, no, I I guess my biggest transition for me, the thing I still work on to this day, is uh, I try and keep my stance more narrow than I used to. I used to get my legs really wide, and then I felt like my lateral movement wasn't as good. Okay. So when I focus on practice, I focus on having my arms relaxed, just kind of shoulders back, elbows off my body and just kind of be relaxed with my hands and then keep my stance narrow. And I feel like that transitions to so much more. I feel like my patience is better. My movement is better. My speed is better. So the kind of key reminders I just give myself all the time when I'm in the net are just, Hey, keep your feet narrow, keep your elbows off your body. And when I do those two things, I feel like that's when I'm playing my best hockey. Oh, it's so nice to be able to have those keys. It's usually one of the questions I ask guys, like, are there any little things that you take out there on a nightly basis? And I love those two. As we've seen the transition in the game at the highest level, I mean, so much lateral play, so much speed on attack, so much east-west. Like, you got to be able to move. And I'm guessing that that narrowed up stance just gives you so much more freedom mobility-wise. Yeah, exactly. The second your legs get too wide, like your lateral movement is just not going to be the same. And it helps with your patience. It helps with everything, like just having your feet under you. Look at any, like, I don't know. I've been playing a bit of tennis lately. So, like, if you look at, like, tennis, like, they always want their feet under them. They always want their body. It's all about your footwork, right? Yep. So it's putting your feet to get your body in the best position to make the save. And we see some guys, you know, that, that low and wide, and I've had some goalie coaches around the league talk about one of the mantras is too low, too wide, too soon. Like you, like you said, when you get locked in like that, it's at the expense of mobility. Um, but eventually you have to transition into a safe stance. What's the keys for you to be able to sort of keep that high, narrow stance most of the time and then feel comfortable when it's time to get into safe execution stance? Is it, is it a sort of one-step process or is it more of a gradual transition as the play moves around the ice and are there any tips you can give to other goaltenders that hear 
hear you say how important it is to keep the narrow stance, but feel like they need to get into that save execution at some point. Yeah, I mean, more like on breakaways, I feel like I get really wide and I get my hands really far out in front of my body. So that's like a situation where I would be like, you know what, my stance might not be narrow and it's wide and I just try and hold my feet as long as I can, make the shooter make the first move and then go from there. So, I mean, I don't know really what else to say there. I just try and keep my feet narrow. And the more I do that, I feel like the better I move. Do you and you and you feel comfortable narrow sort of even in like straight from that narrow stance into save execution as opposed to having narrow when it's on the perimeter and wide when it gets in close? Yeah, no, I kind of as guys get closer, of course, the legs are going to get a little wider and you get a, a little, little more yeah. deeper in your stance. And that is, it's just natural. It just happens. But I try and use a reminder to keep my legs more narrow for more when the play is on the outside. So then when the play does transition inside, when I do need to get wider, I get wider. Nice. Now, is there anybody that sort of helped drive that home for you? It was, is this a recent thing or the last couple of years or just over the course of, you know, your five years now as a pro? Well, yeah, Justin Cardinal in Calgary, obviously I've worked with him a lot over the years and uh, he drives that home with me and so does Corey Schwab here in Arizona. So they're on that. We, me and Schwab do a lot of video. We go over every shot I face in the games. Yeah. So it's a lot of video and a lot of work kind of behind the scenes that other people wouldn't see off the ice. And yeah, no, I think it's paid off. And that video work, how important is that for you? And is that something that's evolved that pro as, as well? I, I think a lot of goalies don't realize just how big that is at the pro level to be able to see yourself and have that second set of eyes walk through you with it, walk or walk through it with you. Pardon me. Yeah, no, I, I think it's huge. I think seeing yourself on the ice and like just different situations. And it's not even like the, I don't know, it's not, having that like oh I couldn't have really done anything on that goal it's like okay that goal went in that goal is not my fault but what could I have done better is there anything I could have done different in my approach maybe it was three passes ago my feet were a little too wide or I wasn't fully set on position three passes ago and sure the goal might have gone crossbar and it wasn't my fault but what could have I have done to better prepare myself for that shot I love that, especially the idea of rewinding it, right? Because quite often when a puck goes in, it's not the shot. It's what happened before that or in the sequences leading up to it that maybe get us behind as goaltenders. So I love that you're able to, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. self-analyze like that. That's awesome. Um, what? And, and I'll let you go in a minute here. I've taken up too much time, but I just, I, I just getting so much good insights in here into sort of your your transition as a pro, are there any other takeaways from a guy like Schwabi who played the game at a little more old school level, but at the same time has done such a great job of sort of keeping himself up with the modern game as a goalie coach? Is there, do you guys, is there, when you do those video sessions, there's a lot of back and forth as opposed to him saying one thing and saying, this is how it's supposed to be. Is it all about that interactive back and forth relationship? Yeah, no, our, my and Schwabi's relationship is great. So it's more about kind of, hey, what do you think you could have done here? He works with me because he understands that, you know what, every goalie is different. We got three different guys here in Arizona, like me, Kemper, and Ranta. We all play different styles. Like not yeah. one of us are the same. So it's working with your goalie coach to make the best of what your tools are. Like, Because I'm not going to make the save the same way Ranta is going to go out and make the save. It's just not how it works. So yeah, no, he's right. really good about like adapting and he stayed up with the times and he understands that lingo. 
Now, last one though, with those other two guys, and and like you said, they don't play the same style. You're not going to have the same save executions. Do you guys feed off each other? Like there's their back and forth between the three of you. And I know it varies a lot from team to team and, and, you know, partnership to partnership, but do you guys sit down and watch or talk about the game? Do you guys geek out like us goalies geek out from the outside when we're talking about the position? Yeah, no, I think those two guys have actually been great mentors for me. They've both been straight up guys. They've both been great. They've both been super nice and friendly. And if I give up a goal in the game where they might have saw something, they'll approach me about it. They'll be like, hey, what if you could have done this different? But they mean it in the nicest way. It's not like saying, hey, you should be better. It's like, hey, I know you can do this better. What if you did this on this goal? So I think my relationship with those two guys has been great. And you know what? They've helped me become the goalie I am. A lot of teamwork there. Is that w- would you ever go to the bench and ask for something, or is that that's got to be a post game conversation? Last thing you want to do is think out there. Uh, no, it'll it'll happen sometimes. Whether it's like a goal I gave up during the game, maybe Kemper's on the bench, and I'll be in the net, and I'll say, "Hey, do you think like this there?" And then you know what? They're super honest and upfront about it. And yeah, no, we have that relationship. We want to push each other to be better because at the end of the day, we're trying to we're trying to push our team to make the playoffs, right? Well, and then that's a perfect way for me to end this. What does it mean for you to 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 go to the World Championships? Like you said, first chance in a Team Canada jersey uh, on that stage with a guy like Roberto Luongo, you know, tapping you for it, and you're there with Darcy. How much more comfortable is it um, being there with a guy that you have that relationship with and, and can bounce things off of and feel comfortable, even if, like you said, it's during the game, talking things over? Yeah, no, it's great. I'm excited to be there with Kemper. He's a great guy on and off the ice. He works his ass off, and he plays the right way, and he's he's a great goalie. He's one of the top goalies in the league, I believe. So it's good to go there with him, and yeah, no, honestly, I'm just I'm excited to put that sweater on. You grow up watching every World Junior, every World Championship, every Olympics, so you kind of grow up watching all that, and yeah, no, honestly, it's a dream come true. Awesome. Well, congratulations, Aiden. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about the opportunity and the experience. And I hope you just go over there and have an absolute great time and knock it out of the park. Congratulations on the opportunity. And thanks again for joining us here on the Ingoal Radio Podcast. Yeah, no, thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Just a a little bit of background here uh, on the height thing uh, with... uh, with Aiden Hill. I interviewed Connor Garland, his teammate earlier this year and asked him if he was really five ten, And he said, not even close. Not like he doesn't know where that came from. And I, I'm not saying it's an Arizona coyote thing, but, uh, but that's, isn't that interesting? Two guys, both listen. And there's uh, like six, 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 four and a half for a goaltender. There's no, there's no discernible advantage there. Well, no, I'd be honest there. Hachi, would, I, I actually would, think it's gone the other way. Like maybe a couple of years ago, being listed at six yeah. six as a goaltender would be like, "Oh my god, he's huge! This is awesome!" But we're starting to see more and more franchises recognize that the perfect window is sort of maybe six three, six four, and, and and Aiden's just outside of that window. And again, like um, anything in either direction becomes something you have to overcome. It doesn't have to be a negative long term, but you mm. have to whether it's you're three inches shorter or three inches taller than six, three one, because you don't feel as much net the other, because when you move, the holes are bigger, you have to overcome that. Not that any, but not that, you know, of course you can overcome it. They're doing it all the time, but you know, so li- being listed at six, six is not the 
great advantage that it maybe once was when it comes to goaltending. And more and more sort of goalie scouts and goalie people that I talk to, whether it's for this or behind the scenes, are sort of coming to an agreement on that. And so, yeah, like getting an extra couple inches, which is not uncommon. Uh, I think, Hutch, you had a story of a guy who's 6'1", getting listed at 6'3", by Central Scouting and couldn't figure it out. Um, like this, it's, yeah, it's it's interesting. It was funny that he quickly pointed it out and corrected us at 6'4", because the listing I've always seen on every website is Aiden Hill 6'6". Six six. Yeah, it's interesting. I I think we we tend to get a bit of a skewed view. We talk to the guys who are maybe a little bit more forward thinking, and I I, I know you're right, Woody, because I've spoken to NHL scouts too who see that sweet spot in in the cases I'm hearing, sort of six two six three. Um, but I would still think that the prevalence around the league would be to go for the bigger guy. It's one of those things where you're going to get criticized a lot more if you pick a guy who's 5'11", 6 feet tall and it doesn't hit but if you hit the if you try the 6667 six, kid well at least it's got a better chance and it's one of those things where it's less of a risk you've got to be a courageous person to set your bar uh, a little bit lower to a to a lower height as we head into the Stanley Cup playoffs before guys um we'll remind you i think we've we've brought this up on the show before only two goaltenders in NHL history have won the Stanley Cup at 6'4" or taller Okay, I'm going to go through the list, right, and see who doesn't have a chance. (laughs) So, but it's it is interesting because we know the draft still pushes kids larger and larger and larger, um, despite some of these these teams that are are looking differently these days. And yet, six four seems to be the max. Who are the two goalies? Don't you don't remember? Ken Dryden. Ken Dryden and currently in the league right now. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky. He's six three. At least he's listed there. Okay. He's not listed. No, at six, uh, no. Uh, that was Matt a... Murray. Who? Matt Murray. Oh, nice. Yeah. Hmm. There you go. Just uh, refreshing our memory live on the but air. But it is it is interesting, as Woody says, and and the fact that guys can be listed at different heights than they really are. I I met a kid once who was six and told me he went to a combine and got listed at six four. I know a guy, as we said, that Central Scouting listed a couple inches taller. It's uh, it's a strange game. Uh, Ingle Radio, uh, the podcast. Uh, when we do our hockey cards, I want uh, I want my height listed at six uh, four. Okay, perfect. Just just so you guys know, uh, Hutch do. Hutch, you will be six six and a half, really, and one ninety. And Woody, one you, of those two things is true. Yeah, Woody, you, <laughs> Woody, I'm sorry, but uh, you are listed at five nine and two thirty. Okay, so five nine as I age, I'm heading, you know, one more back surgery and I might get there. Maybe two more back surgeries, a couple more discs out, and I might get there. Two thirty I have been before, so that's possible. You haven't been two thirty. After the birth of my first child, it was what I called a sympathy pregnancy. My wife went into every restaurant while pregnant with our first and ordered so much food, and I was the one that finished it. I literally, this is no exaggeration. I've even sold articles on it under the joke of it being a sympathy pregnancy. I gained 50 pounds. I went from 180 to 230. The pictures I have when my oldest daughter is a baby, it looks like who ate Kevin. Ow. Wow. Can we post those? Ingle social, let's wow. post them. I showed my daughter the by a bee. I showed my daughter the other day and she said, there are a couple extra chins then, Dad. Wow. 
Uh, Mikey DiPietro, off to the World Championship. He is uh, next week's uh, guest uh, on Ingol Radio, the podcast, uh, the feature interview presented by Sensorina. Give us the uh, the heads up on this. Uh, it's just going to be a great interview. Uh, I thought Aiden Hill was really good today for a guy that we we don't have a relationship with. I thought, as he, you know, like we we'd never talked a lot before, right? With Mikey, um, whether it's being drafted by the Vancouver Canucks, I've been a uh, part of Hockey Canada um, goaltending camps that Mikey's been a part, you know, been at both on the ice and sort of in a mentorship role. So, gotten to know him both from a formal media standpoint, but also a little more behind the scenes as well. So there's just, it's just easy. I mean, he's one of the best interviews, I think, no matter who's talking to him. But the fact we have that built-in relationship, this is, it's 40 minutes of gold. And it is, it's just, it's cramped full of stuff that, you know, I'd, I'd actually honestly never thought about. We talked about the social media advice on that, um, you know, mental skills, mental strength, whether it's uh, sports psychology or just mental health. Some really good advice, some books he's reading. Some technical tips. Um, we'll have some up at ingolmag.com on the Ingol Premium site. Uh, nice little tip. I, some video I took. He shared a little insight into that that we'll throw up on the website before the interview runs. Um, just you name it, we touched on it, uh, and it's going to be an interview that I know goal and goaltenders are going to love to listen to. It's going to be, it's going to be in our top ten, guys. Ooh. Yes, we have to uh, continue with uh, with that. We had to. Pu- we we promised to do I, that. I know, this week, I know, but we? I we had to push it back. I sent you guys a note on that uh, because I, there was two episodes that I wanted to re-listen uh, just to confirm. So uh, I I need I need one more week on that to be able to go through it because I'm on the fence on one. I'm at, I'm taking this very seriously. Uh, I was going to have to tell you my dog <laughs> ate my no, homework. I'm actually. I'm just not ready. <laughs> well, that's that's true too, but that that would be a hard drive, wouldn't it? Did um, did any of you guys get uh, suggestions? Those... Like I had listeners email and people that I had conversations with because the listeners when they engage with us, we send notes back, and you can end yeah. up in. I had a, several of them send suggestions about what ab- this one absolutely has to be on your top ten. Well, I'm going to lean on Brandon Partrick then. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, one more note on on uh, Mikey DiPietro. Uh, he's a, he's a person that when you interview him, you feel like you are the greatest interviewer of all time because it's so much fun. Uh, and, and you, you are, you do, uh, an amazing <laughs> job. What, uh, what you, uh, the, the ways that the, no, the places that you went with Aiden Hill, I was listening going, oh, what a great question. I, I never would have thought to, to, to ask that, but with, with Mikey Pietro, uh, he just, he's so, uh, enthusiastic about, about things and so honest. Uh, about his journey it's it's an incredible uh conversation every time and i can't wait to to hear next week's episode i i thought i was just i'd done a really good job so (laughs) you do you do you do but i'm just trying to say like like mikey is just so um he's fantastic captivating uh with this uh with it with his conversation about life and uh and and about goaltending uh and we we know him from his junior days and now uh early in his in his pro career uh for uh 230 woody and and 190 hutch uh, I'm Darren Millard. Uh, thanks for listening to In Goal Radio, the podcast presented by The Hockey Shop, The Hockey Shop source for sports, thehockeyshop.com, uh, as well as uh, appreciate Sensorina uh, VR. Uh, I got to go on the ice, so I'm going to go do my little warm up, and then uh, I'll let you guys know exactly how that transitioned. But I uh, really appreciate uh, Aiden Hill joining us, Cam over at The Hockey Shop, and of course, you, the listener, for uh, continuing to. Uh, 
this uh, particular in this journey that we're on in the wonderful world of goaltending. The playoffs uh, next week. We'll chat about that as well as our top ten episodes. Uh, we'll chat with you in seven days or less. Mm-hmm.